0: the wife of David Glenn Lewis and their nine-year-old daughter returned home from a shopping trip on the afternoon of January 31st, 1993. They lived in Dallas, Texas at the time, and by the time they returned home, David was nowhere to be found. Though, strangely, he had freshly made sandwiches that were left in the fridge, almost as if he was expecting his wife and daughter to return home at any minute. David would be found halfway across the country just a couple hours later after losing his life in a hit and run accident. To this day, no one knows how David managed to make it almost 1,600 miles away in less than a few hours, and his case remains unsolved. If you want to read an extensive covering of this case, I'll leave a link in the description to the original write-up that was posted by a Reddit user named Bridge ORL. David Glenn Lewis was born in Borger, Texas back in 1953. He was the second of two children and he would eventually graduate from high school in 1972. After graduating college, David became a lawyer in Texas. David was a dedicated member of his local church and became a Sunday school teacher for a few children at the church. He was also a district chairman for the Boy Scouts. David was said to be a dedicated family man and a volunteer who was close to his parents and his brother. On a January weekend in 1993, David's wife and daughter left their home headed towards Dallas to spend a couple days shopping. The trip was about 400 miles away, so they expected to be gone for at least a day or two. They left on January the 28th, leaving David at home alone for the next couple of days. A few pieces of evidence in David's case prove he was seen alive and well near his home on January 30th, and this was the last confirmed sighting of him. What's kind of interesting, though, is that it's never been revealed who saw him or where this report came from, but I guess that's mostly irrelevant, really. On the 31st of January, David's wife and daughter returned home to Dallas. They expected David to be waiting for them when they got back, but he was gone. I'm sure most of you guys are probably wondering why they hadn't spoken on the phone to arrange a meetup, but keep in mind this was 1993. Cell phones were super uncommon, so it wasn't really out of the ordinary to lose touch with friends or family for at least a few days. David planned on watching the Super Bowl while his wife and daughter were gone, but it looks like he set up a tape recorder to record the vast majority of the game. We don't know if this was done because David planned on being away from home at the time that the game was going on, or if if he just wanted to have a copy of the game on hand to watch later on. Whatever his intentions were, the tape recorder had been left running after the match was finished and it was never turned off. It continued recording long after the match was done, suggesting that David was not around when the game came to a close. Two freshly made sandwiches were also found in the fridge and David's wedding ring and watch were left sitting on the kitchen counter. The weird thing was there were no signs of a struggle and nothing else in the house seemed out of the ordinary. His family thought that he may have just left for a little while and his wife said that she felt like he may have gone to a friend's house to watch the rest of the game. But no one really knows why he would have left his watch or wedding ring behind. By the following day, David's wife had still not heard from him. At this point, she became extremely worried and decided to call the police and report him missing. While David's wife reported him missing at 10.30 p.m. Some 1,600 miles away in Yakima County, Washington, several people spotted an individual on the side of the road on Route 24, near Moxie, several miles from the Yakima airport. Drivers turned around to stop other cars from passing by, trying to warn them that there was a man on the side of the road, though by the time they returned to him, the man had already been hit by a car and he had lost his life. Police would arrive within just a few minutes, and they found out the body belonged to a middle-aged man. He'd been dressed in military-style clothing and even had work boots on. An examination found no traces of alcohol in his system or any drugs. No one knows why he would have been on the side of the road, though. Investigators simply believed that he'd been the victim of an accidental hit and run. A Chevrolet Camaro was seen leaving the scene around the time of his death, but we don't know for sure if this would have been related. Strangely, the man had no ID with him and police had no idea where he came from or who he may even be. The day after the man's body was found, the search for David began to heat up. On the 2nd of February, David's Ford Explorer was found outside of the Potter County Court Building. His keys were found under the floor mat, and his checkbook, credit cards, and driver's license were all in the usual places where he would store them when he was driving. This meant that all of his personal belongings were now accounted for, but where was David? What makes David's case really eerie is that he had told his wife he felt that his life was in danger just a few months before he went missing. He mentioned that a few people had threatened him, but he didn't really tell his wife any of the details about these threats. David's family believed that his disappearance may have been linked to his work as an attorney, claiming that a client may have wanted to get revenge on him. In fact, just a week later, David was due to appear in court for a case that was pretty complicated, and David's career with a former law firm was called into question. David told his father that he had no intentions of covering up any wrongdoings by his former firm and was going to tell the truth no matter who it hurts. These leads didn't actually give police much to go on, contrary to what you may think, but it did prove that David had purchased a ticket from his hometown to Dallas on the 31st, the same day that his daughter and wife would have been in Dallas. A second ticket was also found that led from Los Angeles to Dallas, and this ticket was for February 1st, though no one knows why David would have purchased a ticket from Los Angeles. They don't know of anyone he may have been meeting up with there or anyone that would have been coming to meet with him from there. Police were never able to figure out the meaning behind these tickets, but they came to the conclusion that David had left his home that day of his own free will. What happened to him after that remained a mystery, and police eventually just decided to close the case in 2002. However, in 2003, just a year later, but 10 years after the John Doe's body was found in Yakima County and David had gone missing, a Washington Patrol detective named Pat Ditter read a newspaper article titled, Without a Trace, that detailed countless flaws in several missing persons cases over the years. For the most part, this article talked about how computer systems were flawed, so many missing persons cases fell through the cracks over the years. Pat wanted to do his part in solving these cases, so he used Google to input information about several key cases that had never been solved. David's case was one of these. Within a week, police had found about a dozen people who fit the description of the John Doe that was found in Yakima County, and David's name was on this list. When researching the case even further, Pat found out that a pair of glasses had been found at the John Doe crime scene that perfectly matched the glasses David would have been wearing. This was enough evidence to convince him that the cases may have been related, so he sent the John Doe's clothing in for DNA analysis. David's mother even provided DNA samples to help the case move along. Finally, 11 years after David went missing, he was positively identified as the John Doe that had been found in Washington all those years ago. But the question still remained. Why was David in Washington and how did he even get there? As far as we know, David had not purchased any tickets to Washington, and it would have taken far too long for him to drive there in a car. On top of this, his car was found in his hometown, so if he did somehow manage to drive there in that amount of time, whose car did he drive, and why was there no car found at the scene of the accident? It seems pretty obvious that David would have needed to get there by plane, especially since his body was found within just a few miles of an airport. But how did he board the plane without a ticket stub being found in his name? It's possible that he used a fake identity, but why? And who would he have been meeting more than 1,600 miles away? Also, why would he have left his wedding ring and watch at home and left a tape recorder running and prepared two fresh sandwiches that he never planned on eating? There were a few stray reports around this same time that claimed that 5,000 thousand dollars was deposited into David's bank account on the 30th of January, just a day before he disappeared. There were also several supposed sightings of him at an airport in Texas around this time, but these witness accounts don't seem to have ever been actually validated, so kind of take them as you may. By all means, David's case is super strange, and it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense from any angle. It seems almost impossible that he would have been able to drive 1,600 miles in such a short amount of time without using a plane. But no tickets have ever been found, so this seems highly unlikely. He also wouldn't have been able to buy a ticket without an ID, which was found in his car at the time, so that doesn't really fit either. So, I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. How did all of this play out, and how did David have enough time to travel from Texas to Washington by the 31st when he was last seen in Texas on the 30th? But... That's going to be the video for today, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any suggestions about this case, please leave them in the comments below. But if you like this video, be sure to hit that like button. If you loved it, maybe consider subscribing, sharing, or supporting me on Patreon, or even clicking that blue join button below to really show your support for the channel. We also have a Tie Knots merch store at tieknots.com. We got t-shirts, pillows, whatever you want over there. Be sure to check it out. But I've been Knots. You guys have been lovely, and I'll catch you in the next video.